Learning scripture, knowing Christ. Welcome to the hashtag one fear podcast. <laughs> I, sometimes I just don't like hearing my own voice. <laughs> you have an amazing podcast I usually, voice. Thank you. I usually don't even listen to my voice when I hear it, but it's what? like, I, like, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not conscious of it. But then like, sometimes I'm like, oh, that was loud and needs to be fixed. And on today's episode of I, Dom Needs Help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about ourselves. Perfect uh, this is, segue. Perfect it segue. is. It's a perfect segue. This is the Enneagram Part 2, The Cult of Self. And it, there's your example of I, some people just love to hear themselves. Some others, others are like not even conscious of it. And then when they hear themselves being after being having been recorded, sorry, having been recorded. Yeah, I have a really nice sounding voice, but the way things come out. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but anyway, there's just these different types of people that are like, oh, yeah, I, this and that. And this is me. This is who I am. And when it comes to the Neogram, what are you talking about? Are you OK, Ray? Were you starting to sing the song from uh, Camp Rock? Oh, Camp There's Rock! No, I was. I thought Rock. I thought you were talking. Uh, sorry to sing the one from uh, what's the big top? The greatest. The show. greatest showman. This is me. Yeah. This no, is me. I was thinking Camp yeah. Rock because she goes, "This is real. This is me." <laughs> and I don't know why. And then I dropped my papers, and then from there it's just been. And now you're over. picking them up. Okay, so. Anyway, the, the Enneagram, like I said in part one, it's all about us. It's about ourselves because what is the Enneagram used for but to explore uh, our deeper inner, our true selves and uh, all that other kind of language. We're going to get into that as the series progresses. But um, so why talk about the Enneagram? Probably should have done this in the first episode. I think we did a little bit, but uh, we want to talk about why, why talk about the Enneagram because what exactly is the draw to the Enneagram? Uh, the point of the Enneagram is to learn yourself. Who doesn't love themselves? Or who is who is it that they are in love with? You know, are, do we love ourselves or are we in love with ourselves? You know, that's the question. Uh, people who accept the Enneagram say it is a tool, uh, that it's helpful. And just because it's a tool doesn't mean it's the right tool to use. Uh, for example, I, I have something I need to unscrew, so I get a screwdriver and I unscrew it. I do no, not you get use... a hammer. That's what you get. You get a hammer. <laughs> I do not take that same screwdriver and shove it into an electrical socket to see if electricity is working. There's a tool that is separate for that, okay? Um, we can't say, you know, as a Christian, I need help in my walk, so I'm going to use the Enneagram. We can't say that. We can't do that. Uh, what we need is God. We need Christ. We need the Spirit's uh, uh, guidance. And uh, we're going to get into that too <laughs> a little bit with this. Uh, sessions, if you're very interested and you're really uh, sold out for the Enneagram, uh, sessions can be around $150. And to become a trained Enneagram trainer, uh, you can spend around $1,500. All right. So that makes you super special. That if you are licensed as an Enneagram trainer, that means like, whoa, they're special. That's like, that's even better than saying, oh, they have an education in one area. You know, that, that's like, it, it, I don't know if you got, if you two had the same sense, but like ha being in a, a certified trainer was almost as if they have achieved a doctorate. And did they? No. Now, I've, I've gone to a training for my previous job uh, where we had a certain, amount, uh, a certain amount of hours that we had to do uh, for training to continue in the job. And one of them was like, you know, how are you going to take care of yourself? You know, because the job is it could get very stressful. You're always giving to people. You're always putting into people of yourself. And it's kind of like, where do you get that rest? Where do you get that uh, that time away? Uh, so what are cer certain things that you could do? Well, the, this so-called trainer brought up uh, contemplative meditation. And I was like, well, that's a nice way of saying that it's contemplative 
meditation, but really what it was was mindfulness. So she said, yeah, it, it is mindfulness. Well, what is mindfulness? And the way that she was teaching it, it was transcendental meditation. So like some of these... What's that? Uh, it's when you're kind of like, I'm getting a download type thing. Where it, it's transcendental, almost like you're in a trance. Not to say that the, there's a connection in those words, but uh, but what was happening, it was... You know, they're like, yeah, just relax and we'll listen to these videos from YouTube and stuff. And, and the, like those tones, you know, there's certain tones, sounds, and it's, a, it's in the key of A flat. And you just have these meditation times. And there's some people that just took hold of it and went with it. And they're like laying on the ground. And when it was all over, there's some people saying like, oh, yeah, I had this vision that I was a, a soldier in the Civil War. And then it like tra transitioned to something else. And I walked through this door and all this. Other, and it was like, dude, what kind of drugs were you taking? Like, <laughs> what's in your coffee cup? Um, so she she came to me and was like, hey, are you are you OK? You like it, it, I was like, ma'am, this is not me. Like, th this is not what I do. Um, I just stared outside watched a tree kind of sway in the wind and stuff like that and just kind of toned everything out because I knew this was not of God. And the job that I was at is not a Christian organization. So it's not like, you know, her heretical or anything like that. But it was just one of those things where I was thrust into this episode where I didn't want to be in it. And I, I went to my immediate supervisor and I said, hey, you know what? This is what was taught. That's not psychology. This is not counseling. And she was like, well, she has a doctorate in, in mindfulness. And I said, I don't care if she has a doctorate in all, like, I, it doesn't matter. Like, whether or not she's well-trained in one area doesn't mean that that area is suitable for certain things. I need to backtrack. Go ahead. You can get a doctorate in mindfulness. I, it was a doctorate or a master's. I'm pretty sure she said a doctorate. Be yeah, it might have been a, a master's, but st even then, though, it's like, what? I need that explained to me. Yeah. Like, I need it explained. Um, I actually looked it up. It was a long time ago I looked it up, but it was, yeah, you can get different degrees in certain areas like that. No. I think it was at What's the Matter You. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being serious. Um, but. <laughs> you can get a PhD yeah. in mindfulness. Yeah, it might have been a doctorate then. Uh, but yeah, it, it's crazy because, like, yeah, these kinds of things are are prevalent we want to do these types of things because they're helpful for us now bringing it into the christian realm like like into christianity into our church um we we don't say exactly what it is we just kind of lead and we kind of just do this and do that and there's too many way 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 too many assumptions that are like well if my church leader has been trained in this and they are doing it and telling us that to to participate in it that it must be biblical. And if you've listened to us for long enough, you already know that you should be questioning your pastor whether they're right or wrong. You yourself need to get into scripture and explore scripture and say is this valid of them to say or not. All right? So People like Corey Asbury, who wrote Reckless Love, which I, I don't think love is reckless. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, has suggested reading Richard Rohr. And if you remember from last episode, Richard Rohr is like, he's the father of the Enneagram. In the Christian realm. In, in the Christian realm, anyway. And uh, Liberty University has hosted an Enneagram workshops. And I think it was, I think it was Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, has had classes on Enneagram. Pathfinder Church has an Enneagram number, uh, has uh, uh, preached from it, preached on the Enneagram. Uh, Uversion even has devotionals geared toward your specific Enneagram number. Uh, books have been published on Christian Enneagram by publishers like IVP and Zondervan. We talked about that last episode. Um, so what it comes down to is this. We love ourselves. And we are in love with ourselves. So the very thing that we can, the best thing that we can do so we don't feel guilty about putting too much into ourselves and putting it into others and, put, uh, and giving our worship to God is to Christianize it. 
and we talked about the syncretization, adding things into our, our religion and, and doing this and doing that to supplement. And we can't do that. We are in the cult of self if we are engaging in, in these types of behaviors and in these types of programs. So uh, practices included in the Enneagram is con- contemplative prayer. Uh, Richard Rohr said it is, it is an unlearning, this contemplative prayer, which we'll, I'll say a little bit more when we start. And automatic writing, which is said to be a psychedelic ability in, or I'm sorry, a psychic, not just, <laughs> psychedelic, man, uh, is said to be a psychic ability in which the person writes things down unconsciously that they receive or quote unquote download from outside sources. Have you heard that language before? I'm asking you and the listeners, have you guys heard that language before getting a download? I've heard of automatic writing from Teen Wolf. From Teen Wolf. I'm glad you you watch these. Um, They're very educational, apparently. We've uh, we've encountered that before too, right, hon? That in a worship set, you know, get get your download. Um, Watch that language. All right. So uh, contemplative prayer and automatic writing, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And uh, why, why the Enneagram and the cult of self, okay? So, without further ado, here, here we, we go. I was really concerned because you didn't do that yet. I was like, where is it? Why didn't he do it? <laughs> I was so concerned. It was coming. I was uh, Talking like a million to, words I kept a second. To like so. raise my hand and be like, oh, we forgot the here we go. Here we go. Okay, so well, here we go then. So, um, books by Christian, quote unquote, Christian authors promoting the Enneagram. Uh, Ian Morgan Cron and Susan Stabile, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self Discovery. Cron uh, came across Rohr's book, Discovering the Enneagram, in the early 90s while at a retreat. While at Denver Seminary, a professor urged him to throw the book in the garbage. He did not, but shelved it. Years later, a Brother Dave, whoever this person is, a Benedict Monk, a Benedict Monk advised him to pick it up again. He later was heavily influenced by Rohr when he saw him present a speech at an Enneagram conference in 94. He would later be invited to Stabile, by Stabile to speak at a conference. They became quick friends and eventually went on to write The Road Back to You. So these two authors uh, really hit it off and they started writing all these kind of things. And this is one of the uh, most used books in churches right now. And I think it was like on the top 10 books uh, on Amazon, uh, number like top 10 in the top 10 list uh, on books and spirituality on Amazon for quite a while. I don't know if it is anymore. I, I mean, it's it was released in 2016, so I'm not really sure. Uh, but Suzanne Stabile, she went on to write uh, her own stuff, The Path Between Us, An Enneagram Journey to Healthy Relationships. That was released in 2018. Stabile was personally mentored by Roar. She and her husband frequently traveled to Roar to, ha- to have conversations and be deeply mentored by him. When Stabile learned the Enneagram from Roar, she went with it. Rohr told her to study the Enneagram for five years without talking to anyone about it. Whoa. Red flags, flashing lights, like, hello. Learn something without telling anybody about it? Like, that's that's kind of iffy. I think that if you learn anything that's scriptural, you should be shouting it from the rooftops. Like you, Like, it should be something to you that you just can't hold it in anymore. You've got to tell somebody. So this whole secretiveness about the Enneagram, that should be uh, red flags. That, that should be, hello, question things. All right. Uh, she considers herself to be an, an Enneagram master along with Roar. She differentiates between Enneagram teachers and masters and those who know nothing about the Enneagram who make it difficult for them. She has also stated that she prefers to teach orally on the Enneagram because it has been an oral tradition for centuries. No, it hasn't. 
because it wasn't developed until George Gurdjieff at the latest, at the earliest, which was early 1900s, right? Is that what we said? Early 19, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not centuries. That's barely one century. You know, it's like not even, right? What year is it? 2023. There you go. <laughs> Do my math for me, all right? You're the numbers person, Ray. Mm. <laughs> I like to watch you struggle. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Stabile, I think she has other books too, or at least like uh, study uh, companion books for her books. All right. And Christopher L. Huritz, uh, he wrote The Sacred Enneagram, Finding Your Unique Path to Spiritual Growth. And uh, he is also another one that was heavily influenced by Richard Rohr. Uh, there's other ones like author uh, Jeannie Allen's book for and conferences are widely used. She is a big proponent of the Enneagram. She started the If Gathering uh, because a quote unquote, a voice from the sky told her to. She focuses on dreaming. That is the dreams we hope for or have que- aspirations in. The goal is all about self rather than Christ. Now, I want to go back to this whole thing that she she was told to start it. Uh, uh, and heard it from a voice from the sky. How, that's not just iffy, but, I, okay, as a Christian, you, you two are Christians, and if I say, I heard something from the sky, what do you assume? I heard it from God. But if I go to a New Ager and I say, I heard something from the sky, what do you think they're going to think it came from? The, Metatron! The me- <laughs> If it's Metatron or just like uh, the some outside energy. All right. If I go to a Hindu or or whoever else, what are they going to think it came from? One of their gods. If I go to a Mormon, if I say I heard a voice from the sky, where do they think it's going to come from? Okay. So no matter who she's talking to and it and it's and it comes down to hey we started these if gatherings and i wrote these books i did all this stuff because a voice told me from the sky to do it then gosh yeah let's just go for it because that's that's just about anything or anybody or any any god uh or any magical force out there whatever it might be it's just very very vague because if it's a voice from the sky Oh, that's not, Hey, I heard this. I think it's an inkling from God. And I went to scripture and I verified whether or not I should go with this or not. There's none of that, but it's so, Oh, what's the word? Enrapturing is a good word. I think it's so enrapturing to hear someone say that and just be taken with it and go with it. All right. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verse 13 reads, for it is God who works in you to will. All right. It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Jesus said it himself, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He also said, die daily, pick up your cross and and go, you know, follow what Christ says, pursue after him, not ourselves. Okay. Another one, Russ Hudson, personality types, using the Enneagram for self-discovery. He also wrote The Wisdom of the Enneagram, The Complete Guide to Psychological and Spiritual Growth for the Nine Personality Types. All right. Now, for the test itself, though, you can go. uh, There's a lot of free ones, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And and I think the free ones, unless it's maybe it's a bigger church or something, and and they kind of use it just to... Uh, they may have a a candidacy or they're hiring someone. So they might use the Enneagram to say, hey, I want to know what the personality types are. And, and I get that. I understand. I, I, I completely get it. They want to know who is coming on board. I get that. But here's what it robs. It robs connecting naturally the way that person, the, the way that relationships should happen. All right. When... Danielle and I met, we weren't like, we didn't like just sit down and do these personality tests. We hung out with each other. We got, we asked questions. We, we learned uh, directly and indirectly what makes us tick and what makes us talk 
T-A. Okay. You get what I TikTok? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that relationships should be developed through. Oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> Not sitting down and taking a test to say, oh, you're this type of person because then we peg them for one thing when really, like we said last episode, people change a lot daily, monthly, yearly. And okay. Then, it, it happens a lot. There can also be, which I've, I've heard it done like, oh, well, they're just the four. That's why they're doing that. Yeah. Or you're speaking from your four, like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, or, I'm, I'm, I don't like number threes. Yeah. I'm sorry that I cut that person off, but that was just my nine coming out. The next time I take a BuzzFeed quiz, I'm totally going to be like, especially if it's the potato one. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> sorry, that's my French fry coming out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my man. gosh. Um, but yeah, there's other more, apparently more... Uh, reliable test in one of which from that was developed by Ian Cron uh, from his website, ieq9.com. And you can get a standard report for $60 or you can get the professional report for 120. And I think people are paying for a personality test. Yes. And I think for each of these tests too, it takes about a half hour or something like that. Yeah. So not only they, taking away a half hour maybe longer it might take me longer (laughs) if i did them um but 60 dollars, and it gives you a whole bunch of different things in that 120 dollar one the the professional report will give you all these other different things from that test now uh i've encountered some people that are like you know what churches all they do is ask for money and yeah because we want people to know hey if your heart's desire is to see growth in this church or through this church, I should say, then yeah, we would ask like you to come on uh, in partnership with us and tithe and give your offerings to us, in, whether it's money or your time or whatever it might be, uh, because we will put money where our heart's desires are. Uh, ask, ask yourself, look at your checkbook. Where is your heart's desire? Because you can look at your your uh, your bank accounts and look exactly where it is. My heart's desire is to provide for my family. So yeah, money is going to our mortgage. It's going to the borough bill. It's going you know all these kind of things that uh, that we need as essentials to live. And that's my heart's desire. I know too many people that are like, oh, I just can't make rent. Oh, I can't make the mortgage payment. Well, why is that? Because you put so much money into something else. I've, I've talked to, again, I've talked to many people that, oh yeah, look at my brand new car. And then like three, four months later, it's gone because they couldn't afford it. Not realizing that they were thinking through their hearts rather than thinking through reality and checking their checkbook beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of stuff happening all the time. Look at your checkbook and I'll tell you where your heart's desire is. All right. So uh, to become an accredited practitioner of the Enneagram, though, you can take an eight-day training course for $2,100. Eight days and you're a professional? Eight days and you are a professional. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, not a professional, not really a professional, but just an accredited practitioner, which means that you can do like trainings and maybe do speaking and stuff like that. So you're not even a professional. No, you're not. No, no, you got to keep going. Yeah, that's reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the same site, a couple's report for you and yours or for another couple. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. I don't know why. Like, hey, you guys, uh, you guys just you need to do an Enneagram (laughs) test. Because I see, I see, you know, I observed. But anyway, you could do that one for $120 as well. For couples, husband and wife. I'm going to buy that for you guys for Christmas. Yeah. Now, aside from that, don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, don't waste your money. Um, So aside from that, those are not the only things out there. I want to point out how prevalent the Enneagram has become. It's not just for adults. It's not just for youth either. It has 
come into children's church. It's come into children's programs. And it's being taught to children to go through and see what their, what their numbers are. And they're being taught like, hey, the Enneagram, th- this is a Christian thing. So again, where exactly is it in Scripture? So let me point it out where it is in Scripture. Are you ready? Hang on, I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> there we go. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 through 4. I hope you will put up with me in a, in a little foolishness. And I feel like I was saying that myself for a little bit in my heart. I hope you listeners will put up with me a little bit. All right. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure version to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. So I many times think of the Eve thing because I'm thinking more of, once again, like the serpent came to her and basically like was offering her a counterfeit. And Mm. that's kind of, you know, the fruit itself wasn't bad fruit. It wasn't like it was a poisonous fruit, but she was given a command for a reason but it was made to her to sound like yeah but you could get more and that's kind of almost like what these things are they're offering you this counterfeit like i was thinking placebo effect like if you give somebody a placebo and they don't know what's a placebo how many times they're like oh i feel so much better but it actually hasn't done anything for them (laughs) yeah and then you tell them it was a fake and they're like oh i feel like crap Yeah. So another verse is Galatians chapter one, verses six through nine. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Eventually, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Oh, that's scary. (laughs) Which is like, it goes back to uh, the biblical precepts about teachers. Like, you got to take it very, very seriously because... You know, teachers are going to be judged a lot more strictly, a lot more harshly because it it comes from that. It stems from them that what is being taught can either bring someone closer to the, the true gospel or give them a false one, taking them further away from Christ. And that's why it's so important to really bring into question the teachings because of that very reason. Now, this is where my heart goes out to these Enneagram masters or, or whatever they might be called. Um, my heart goes out to you because according to scripture, you're teaching a different gospel. You're under a curse. And that, scare, that should scare the living jeebers out of you. It scares me for you. I, I, like, I, I get scared approaching scripture and having this thought cross my mind. And then as I study and I read the next line, it was like, oh my gosh, I totally was a, like that thought was totally against what scripture says. That scares me. What if I told somebody that? And what if they believed it? You know, it's, we got to take this serious. First Timothy one verses three through four, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths 
and endless genealogy. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. We're not advancing God's work by figuring out our number and and doing that traveling to closer to God through that number. I feel like that verse is very important. <laughs> well, I just I just love how Paul is like, yo, Tim, I told you to stay there uh, in Ephesus and command certain, certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. But it's like, he's like trying to help them. Yeah. He's like, you got to help them. Like, not yeah. we're not saying like, and that's like, think that's what we all need to do is like we're not here to bash we're here genuinely like we want to help you we just read a terrifying verse about how you're cursed so we're here to help you know maybe help you out a little bit you know yeah (laughs) Uh, well later on in first timothy in chapter four uh, he wrote the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons what's the metatron and what, what is it? The green katoo or whatever it was? Yeah. I, what are those? I bet they were pretty. I bet they're uh, really attractive and and gave the ooey gooey's and stuff. But what actually was it? And we're, we're going to take the teachings that came from that and go with it? All right. So, yeah. The, the people are following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Uh, Verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical liars. What happened when it was brought up that, hey, if you want something to catch on, you got to attribute it to someone famous? That was a lie. All right. Uh, uh, Hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Uh, They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. And then verse 6, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and on the good teaching that you have followed. So when I'm pointing these things out, I'm not saying, hey, uh, fire and brimstone. Uh, what I'm saying is fire and brimstone, so turn away. Okay, I, I like, you know, Christianity has gotten this bad rap from like the 60s and 70s about the fire and brimstone message. But here's the truth. Teachers and people following these teachings, it is leading you to destruction. All right, I, I'm not going to be the one that's going to say whether or not you're saved. That's not my place to say that. But I, I would put it into question. I really would. Uh, because there's got to be a turning away from the stuff like this. We're in the cult of self and we want to be uh, fulfilled. But really, uh, the Enneagram is not teaching a fulfillment. It's teaching a denial of certain aspects of ourselves. And what we're going to learn later on is that it completely denies what sin really is. In fact, in the Eogran teaches that there's no such thing as sin. Yikes. Um, but, you know, this is what I'm saying. In verse 6, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. I've learned Christ, and I can attest that these two with me, uh, my wife Danielle and Raylan, have learned Christ. And we are here to say, these things need to be turned away from. All right, We have to be good ministers, because we know how awesome God is, and what he's done through his son Jesus Christ. We can't, we can't take a counterfeit and go with that any longer. We can't, we can't just sit back and watch the church implode on itself because of this. And 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, these, these verses that John writes is very specific to his audience because uh, what his churches that he wrote to was battling with or having to deal with is docetism and uh, what and a form and a form of narcissism too as well. Uh, but what that is is that they oh yeah Jesus came to Earth and he died for us, but it only seemed like he did. He actually didn't die. It was kind of like a figment of their imagination or uh, what are, what are those laser things called? The uh, It was a hologram type thing. You know what I mean? Um, So it only seemed like it. He actually didn't. Uh, So that is very contrary to the gospel that John has been uh, preaching to them and telling them. So when we, when we read verses like this, uh, that in verse two, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So that's very specific to his audience. He's saying, hey, you know what? They teach that he actually didn't come in the flesh, but he really did. All right. So that's, that is a, a false approach to the, the real Jesus. Uh, it is a false doctrine. It is a false teaching. Now, we can read that kind of thing in our modern day and say, well, uh, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Well, that's pretty vague when we don't know the background. So yeah, somebody can say, yeah, I acknowledge Christ and it could be a false, it could be a false teaching. And that's exactly what John is getting at. We need to be aware of whether or not this is a false teaching. All right. This, uh, uh, that verse three continues. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard is coming. And even now is already in the world. John is saying that these kind of things that are antichrist, not the antichrist, but is antichrist, these teachings are going around and they're convincing people away or, and contrary to the, the true gospel. Paul wrote about it. John wrote about it. I think even Peter uh, elaborates on it as well. Uh, and Jude with false teachers and false prophets and stuff. These kind of things are happening and are very prevalent. Uh, even today, all of a sudden, there's this there's this big movement in the past like 10, 15, maybe 20 years or something where there's this new apostolic uh, reformation where it's like, oh, these are new apostles and it's a new reformation. And it sounds really, really intriguing and sounds very biblical. But the truth is, uh, apostles are not new and reformations are not r- new either. All right, so if there's a reformation, it has already been happening, and it has already happened, so why are we not being a part of that? I'm not saying you should, whether or not you should, or anything like that, but why all of a sudden are so many new things like that, and like the Enneagram, and like all whatever it is that is quote-unquote new, and we're flying with it because it just has this Christian-esque thing tagged along with it? It sounds biblical. It smells biblical. But underneath, there is a wretched, like what you say, Danielle, gangrene among it. And it's catching. And the sad thing is, we are so unaware of it. Probably because we don't like, as pastors, we probably don't like preaching things like, yeah, pastors and teachers and you know when we teach the word we're going to be judged more harshly we don't like that reality but it's true okay so when john was teaching uh, when he wrote to his uh, his audience uh hey this is how you recognize it they're denying something that is the gospel so let's bring that into today when we hear something does it line up with the gospel especially when it's the identity, it has to do with the identity of Christ. All right. And the Enneagram is not teaching the gospel according to what scripture has provided us.
Do you have anything to add before we before I go on to the next verses? Just that uh, First John and Second John. Is that the next one you're reading? Yeah, verses um, 7 through 11. So the IVP Bible background commentary is just talking about how John is addressing um, compromise. That that's what, what they're addressing, that this compromise then, like the false teachers can use yeah. all of this with their followers to lead them to further compromise. So it's not even... Um, like all these compromises help the false teachings teachers followers better adapt to their culture's values what remained of Christianity after their adjustments, but led them away from the truth proclaimed by the eyewitnesses who had known Jesus firsthand. Yeah. So I mean, like that's really it is. It's like these little compromises. One of the things is like compromises with cults or compromises with idols or whatever it is, or paganism was the one word. So like yeah. it's not this outright Maybe in our terms, syncretization, like we talked yeah. about last episode. Yeah. So like it's it's these little compromises. Well, it's not it's not that bad. Or we Christianized right. yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's been Christianized. So yeah. And, and that's how when John says, "Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God." That's exactly what he's telling us to do: is to line it up with what the gospel is, with the true identity of who Christ is. All right. We if it doesn't line up, trash it, throw it out. Have a burning party. Hey, we have campfires in the summer, so if you need, if you have some kindling, you, we can have a party and we'll have a great time. <laughs> All right. Second John verses seven through eleven. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as, as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. So by Second John, and, and I think I talked about this in the uh, walkthrough of the Johns in that episode, where Second and Third John was probably like an additional header to first John when it was sent out, uh, kind of like, yeah, in addition, as, as these are being sent out, uh, add this one to this church, to this specific, uh, audience. So he's again, combating against that, uh, idea that Christ didn't actually come in the flesh. It just seemed like it. All right. Now in second John, they have gone out into the world They've taken that teaching and are spreading it around. Just like the pupils of Richard Rohr have taken his teachings and have been spreading it around, and it's in churches today. All right? Uh, watch out, verse 8, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. You know, if you're going to support it, I, I think it, it may be in modern terms, if you're going to support them by buying their book, if you're going to support them by uh, paying to do a, a conference or uh, what do you call it? Like a different Enneagram sessions and, and stuff like that, uh, taking classes. That, that's why I brought that up in the beginning. You could pay money for these kind of things. You're going to put your money where your heart's desire is. So with that, that brings up the question... Why, you know, if, if this kind of thing is so dangerous, why is God allowing this kind of thing to happen in the church? Why is he allowing it to happen? Why can't it just be like power of God and stops it? You know, it, it puts a it puts a hedge of protection around the church. <laughs> no, no, not shrubbery. <laughs> I love Tim Hawkins. <laughs> All right, so... Again, I'm going to reemphasize that God does not change. Okay? He, the same God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. And uh, in Judges chapter 2, verse 20 through chapter 3, verse 6, this is one of those verses that has blown my mind. Like, it took me a while. It took me years, actually, to really wrap my mind around this. And I think I really, I, I think I really come to a, a 
good solid conclusion as to what is being communicated here after doing this study on the Enneagram. Uh, so Judges chapter 2, verse 20. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their, ancestor, <clears throat> for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. Uh, and then the next verse is chapter 3, verse 1. These are the nations the Lord had left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in the, in the Lebanon mountains from the Mount Baal Harmon to Lebo Harmath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's command, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. So, litmus, litmus test, they failed. They, they, they adopted into their culture, into their religions, into their gods, and, you know, they, they traded sons and daughters in marriage and stuff, and uh, they, they failed that test. And coming from Joshua going into Judges, and we understand Judges as like a roller coaster ride, like, yeah, Israel failed. They needed a judge. Things got better. Uh, that judge passes on. Israel goes back down and needs another judge to take them out of that hole and uh, so on and so forth. Just up and down, up and down throughout Joshua or uh, judges. And that all happens after Joshua, who does amazing things with God's promises. He's like, hey, God promised this. We're going to take advantage of that. We're going to be a part of that. Uh, there's been some hiccups here and there, you know, with like the re with different rebellions and uh, Achan's sin and stuff like that. Uh, but what it comes down to is this. There is a very good reason why things still continue to stick around like the Enneagram. Is it in our minds moral that God would test us with this kind of stuff? I think it's beyond morals and ethics or anything like that. I think I'm convinced that it's, you know what? Let's prove our love to God. It's not like, oh, we should always do this and do that to show love. Love also includes not doing things. You get it? You know, you're all just like wide-eyed and just nodding. <laughs> but we don't like tests. We don't like to say, we don't like to say, oh, God is testing me because we like to just have the ooey gooey's like I say almost every episode I think I don't I'm not really sure um but these kinds of things like we would rather have ourselves fulfilled than have to go through a test in order to show obedience to Christ that's dangerous and like I said in the first episode of this of this series Christianity is hard because it requires a complete denial of ourselves. Jesus said it himself um, in John in John 3.30, He must become greater, I must become less. You should get a tattoo of that, because I'm too scared to get one. <laughs> no, you're getting it. No, thank you. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. And then in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, then he called to the crowd to him, to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, a quick rundown of that. 
what's a cross? It's a tool of death. All right. We're not saying literally you have to pick up a cross or literally you must physically die. We're not saying that we have to deny ourselves because at the core of every human being, we love, we, we are a wicked people. And that's like so contrary to our culture. And it's so contrary to uh, the Christianity that's infiltrating our church. That's not really even Christianity. All right. We need, we do need to deny ourselves. Because what glory does does God get if we keep on focusing solely on ourselves? What does the Enneagram teach? It teaches the self. And that we need the self in order to get to God. Take those paths through those types to get to God. I don't really remember why this came to me. It was when you were talking at some point. Um, Interrupt. You know I could just keep going and going. In one of the books, I think it was the Erwin Lutzer one again, um, <laughs> he shared a story of, about a job for a truck driver, and there was three guys being interviewed, and the boss said, how close can you get to the edge of a cliff? And one said, oh, I can get within a foot. And then the next guy said, oh, I can get within six inches of the edge. And the third guy said, I wouldn't go near the edge. And he said, that guy got the job. Because our goal is not to get as close to these things as we can without falling into them. <laughs> um, you know, Scripture says the f- to flee sin, not to dance on the line with it. And um, I could see why some people wouldn't think that this would be a big deal. Um, but I guess, why even dabble in the in the false. I don't, I don't know. Like there's scripture yeah. is, is sufficient to tell you who you are and to follow Christ. And, um, it also says, so a, a freaking country song was coming to mind because I was thinking about <laughs> the fact that I posted the other day from the book. Um, you can't love without sacrifice. And I mean, Christ showed his love through sacrificing his life. We're also then to sacrifice our lives. Um, I mean, isn't that technically what laying your desires aside is? And, but I mean, so I also think, so the, the lines from the song are love is sacrifice. So let my love, my life be the proof of your love. And so that's sacrificing for others, that's sacrificing for God. And, um, it may seem painful and, hard but I think another like test would be if God if you are having a hard time putting something aside that's human for God then I think that's when you can tell that it's an idol because the excuses come and whatever it is and um to me that'd be like well if it's not a big deal it shouldn't be hard for you to set aside yeah. Uh, verse in First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. We always forget, I think. I know I do, like, especially in the moment. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't want to put up with it anymore. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like whether or not I'm surprised, but the fact that it's a fiery ordeal is undeniable. And that's when we should say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this whole denying myself and, and my wants and my desires, I do just need to put them aside and participate in the sufferings of Christ. Christ, you know, remember, he prayed like, God, if you can take this cup away from me, if I don't have to go through this, if there is another way, I, I would rather that, but still, I will do your will. And when he's on the cross, he's, he's crying out, he's calling out, Father, forgive them. 
because they don't know what they're doing. And I, I don't know, my eyes are starting to get, (laughs) I, I just think today in the church, when it comes to the Enneagram, they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know exactly what they're participating in. And, And I feel like that same crying out is happy. It's echoing throughout history to this moment where, Hey, they just don't know what they're doing. Please, God, forgive them. And I think it comes to this point where these fiery ordeals, when we're, we're struggling, where it's so hard to, put, to, to deny ourselves and get out of this cult of the self and enter into the sacrifice of living for Christ, that is a, quite a fiery ordeal. I mean, in, in Peter's time, it was probably like Roman government trying to squash the, the Christians, kill them, and... and uh, you know, the, all the all the persecution and stuff, but what it comes down to still, it's so hard. It is a fiery ordeal to deny ourselves. But uh, why do we do it? So that you may be overjoyed when the glory, when his glory is revealed. All right, how about we do some takeaways? Okie dokie. Go ahead, my love. Um... I've been thinking, I don't ever hear anything negative about people's Enneagram results. And I guess my encouragement would be that when all we hear are positive things, and not not that Christ is, you know, bashing us or telling us these horrible things about ourselves, but if we're never hearing things that are about ways that we might need to change or um, give things up. Like it's always, oh, I understand myself better. That's that's why I do this. And now I can live a better, freer life because I understand myself. Like I, I guess I tend to not like those things. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to hear good things about myself, but the things I know that that's not always true. Like I need to be willing to hear and be willing to accept conviction and yeah. to become more like Christ, I better be, be convicted of some things because I'm not sinless. So yeah. if I'm never hearing things that I need to give up or change, there's something wrong. Yeah. And we'll get into that more in part three or four, uh, that the Enneagram actually, the doctrine behind it, uh, false doctrine, actually denies uh, sinful depravity human depravity, that we're, we're a fallen species. We're fallen humankind, uh, and that we are sinful and we need redeeming, you know? So there's a denial there, uh, within the Enneagram that is under the surface. Yeah. You got one, Ray? I always get nervous when it comes to these. Under the surface. Stop that. And, and that's the other thing. She's singing in Kanto. <laughs> it's Hercules. Ever like yo, I don't want to fight so She's going to cause a problem here. <laughs> so mine. Copyright laws, hon. Just make just sure <laughs> you put in the comments, we do not own the yeah. right to this music. <laughs> I don't know if that was music. That was beautiful is what it was. You should have seen the little dance. The yeah, there was shoulder, everything going. Yeah. Shoulders. It went great. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Okay. So... This took some processing, thanks to Danielle <laughs> for helping to process it. Um, this whole self thing, it and just the Enneagram presenting itself as something that it's not, pretty much. Like it's, you know, trying to be biblical and Christian and whatever else that it's saying it is, but it's actually not. And I listened to a podcast this week, the Cultist Podcast with Elisa Childers, and that she gave a really good um example what do you want me to do you you kept on like going like this so you got, yeah i'm just so lost okay just direct, don't move your face from in front of the i feel so uncomfortable <laughs> this is not natural so alisa childers gave a really good example of uh i guess so there was a tiktok a girl made a tiktok comparing christianity christianity to a abusive marriage relationship and um said that christianity it what what was the example help me the the person 
uh, if there is a person laying on a bed or on a table and the person, uh, another person comes in with a knife and starts cutting them open, uh, you'd be like, oh my gosh, they're a murderer. But in the context where, oh, now we know that this person with the knife is a doctor and they're performing surgery, then yeah, that's, that's a different story. So the, the example she, that with that example in, in response to saying that, you know, Christianity and God and with humanity is like an abusive husband. It's really about what the context is because we're not just laying there allowing ourselves to get stabbed. We're there because we need to have that surgery because we are a fallen in a fallen state. Uh, so in that context, it makes a lot more sense. And I think the other thing that she said that like really like made my eyes go like, wow, I never like eyes went wide with this one is that, you know, in a, in a abusive situation, the abuser does not provide a way uh, out of it and for healing. Or the, the other thing was too, is um, the, the analogy they made is that Christianity telling you you're always, you're fallen and you're always sinful is the yeah. same as an abuser, you know, just verbally, physically abusing you. And where Elisa kind of like put an end to that nonsense is she was like, yes, but the abuser's lying to you. Christianity's not. And because yeah. the whole topic is about objective truth. Yeah. there, the, God has provided a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... But that that's just kind of like it's an opposite example of, you know, how a society that wants to just trash Christianity is going to try and make it look bad. And from if you just look at it without understanding Christianity, yeah, that that kind of that example would maybe describe it. But knowing what Christianity actually is completely changes what you think of it. And you're like, no, that's completely wrong. And that's where the what kind of like we're looking at the Enneagram. Where on the outside, yeah, it looks like a great thing that's going to tell you about yourself. But when you look into it further, and especially if it's being introduced in the church, it's completely different. Yeah. And especially with the Christian terminology, I think we're going to get in part four, we're going to go more into the terminology that's used. Uh, but to bank off what you're saying, it's, uh, it's, it's scary that someone that has been in church for so long and apparently has been in scripture long enough and learned from their pastor long enough is still taken away by the Enneagram. Now, if that, if that happens, what about the person that just came to a saving knowledge of Christ and has put their faith in him and barely has any knowledge of what scripture says about him? And they say, hey, why don't you join us in this Enneagram class? Like what, what's going to happen to them? You know, and it, and I think it was Marsha Montenegro who was kind of like, in a way she was saying, I was already in, in the occult. I was a part of like astrology and stuff like that. And when I go to a Christian church and, and I hear these kinds of things, I'm like, no, I already did that. It doesn't work, (laughs) you know? And I think we just got to have a better sense of understanding what Christianity really is. It's not an abusive relationship. You know, it's a, a doctor and his, his, uh, his patient. Uh, so my takeaway, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. All right. My takeaway is usually the same. So I'm trying to think of something different. Mine's always like, get in the word. I mean, yeah, I mean, it always, it always does come back to that. But, um, I think, uh, the verses that I read that are from judges, I, like I said earlier, it, I've wrestled with those, those verses for quite a while. Um, and it's true. There are testings and, uh, we can't deny them. We've, we got to come out with a passing grade. I, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't really want to use that analogy, but there's really no perfect illustration <laughs> to, to uh, analogy to illustrate um, what's being conveyed here in Judges. But this is just the reality. There, there are ju- there are tests, and there are things that are left present to show whether or not our obedience is in Christ uh, versus obedience to ourselves. 
Um, so pass the tests, recognize the tests. And of course we can do better with those tests with scripture. <laughs> Going back to that one. We had, <laughs> we can use open book test. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that like basically saying That's, life is an open book test? I, well, we've got a manual maybe. that we always have access yeah. to. Oh, I don't like that word manual. <laughs> Why don't you like the so, word manual? I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Weird. Don't give me that look. Because I, I really, do, like, I just, I don't know. It why, just doesn't settle. It just doesn't settle with me. Yeah. It's just one, okay. I yeah. got you. It's like people with moist. The, uh, well, no, I don't. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> but no, like, oh, like you know yeah, how it yeah. bothers people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know someone that hates that word. Is yeah. No, not you're like yeah. Me that look. I'm no, because I, I remember playing this video of all these different actors just saying the, the word <laughs> moist. <laughs> it was funny, but uh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, check us out on our website onefear.net, and you can email us with comments, questions, or concerns at contact at onefear.net. Uh, we also have a way to get contacted through Anchor. If you use Anchor, there's like a a thing to leave comments on or something like that. I, don't, I really don't know anything about that, but I know it's available uh, for, for every every episode that we've been releasing the past couple months. Uh, but then uh, we still have email. You can email us and uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at One Fear. And remember to hit that like and hit that share if you're out there. And thanks for listening. And per the usual, live, live such, such good, good lives. lives.